0: The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts.
1: This is Bloomberg Daybreak here for this Thursday, the 27th of April in London. Coming up today.
2: Can First Republic last? Troubled lenders' shares hit an all-time low as authorities debate its future.
1: Banking Bonanza, Barclays and Deutsche Bank report earnings.
2: Meta Better. The social media giant returns to growth after three straight quarters of declines.
1: CBI
3: to be renamed. Game over for Activision deal and PwC's $1 billion accountant. Those are the stories we're looking at in today Papers and I'm
1: Leanne Gerrans. Plus, plain bad news why the cost of air travel is going to remain higher for longer.
4: That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app and everywhere you get your podcasts.
2: Good morning. I'm Stephen Carroll,
1: and I'm Caroline Hepke. Here are the stories that we're following today.
2: First, Republic shares hit an all-time low as regulators weigh downrating the bank. Shares fell by thirty percent when Bloomberg broke the news that U.S. regulators are considering limiting the bank's access to the Fed's discount window and an emergency facility launched last month. The stocks now down by ninety-five percent since the start of the year. J.P. Morgan Asset Management CIO Bob Michaels says the U.S. banking sector is in.
5: It's somewhat naive to say that this is just limited to First Republic. If you step back and think about it, this should never have happened. This went after the most heavily regulated capitalized industry on the planet, banking. And the regional banking system, I think, is quite vital to the U.S. So I think it is a crisis. Michael's fear
2: is what happens when the current emergency loan programmes expire. It comes as the Fed is set to report to Congress on if banking watchdogs were vigilant enough in their oversight of Silicon Valley Bank before its abrupt collapse last month.
1: And now to Deutsche Bank earnings. Amid volatility and slowing deal activity, we now have Deutsche Bank's results. Their first quarter fixed income commodity sales and trading revenue uh, is a miss. It comes in at 2.3 billion euros. The estimate had been for 2.53 billion. So fixed income trading revenue slid 17%, which is more than expected. The bank said that that partly reflects the contribution of episodic items a year earlier. In terms of the goal, though, for cost-cutting, interesting that Deutsche Bank has increased that goal for cost-cutting from €2 billion up to €2.5 billion by 2025, so stepping up their game when it comes to efficiency. The results from Deutsche Bank.
2: Meta, meanwhile, added to Big Tech's good news. The parent company of Facebook, Instagram and WhatsApp shares surged 12% post-market after sales returned to growth and user numbers beat. The story from Bloomberg's
4: Charlie Pallet. It signals the beginnings of a recovery in digital advertising. First quarter sales rose to $28.6 billion, a return to growth after three straight quarters of declines. That compares with the $27.7 billion that analysts had produced on average. Meta is working to move faster while cutting costs in what CEO Mark Zuckerberg has dubbed the year of efficiency. A slowdown in advertising demand over the last year forced the social media giant, which owns Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp, to slash headcount and reduce spending. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe.
1: In more tech news, Samsung Electronics fell after profits missed and its chip division posted a record quarterly loss. Its net income for the quarter also came in lower than anticipated at a little over $1 billion. The world's dominant storage chip maker says that it won't give annual guidance on memory chips, citing economic uncertainties. Samsung sees demand for storage components improving only gradually with a recovery in smartphones and displays in the second half of the year driven by China.
2: Chinese President Xi Jinping has spoken with Ukraine's Volodymyr Zelensky for the first time since Russia's invasion began. Zelensky hails the move as a foundation for peace.
6: There is an opportunity to give new energy to our relations between Ukraine and China. There's an opportunity to use China's political influence to restore strength to the principles and rules on which peace should be based. Ukraine and China, like the vast majority of the world, are equally interested in the strength of the sovereignty of nations territorial integrity."
2: The symbolism of the call was important for both leaders, although reports suggest there were no major breakthroughs during the conversation, she reportedly told Zelensky that negotiations are the only way out of the crisis.
1: Now to UK news. A think tank has found that lost earnings due to long-term sickness is costing the UK billions of pounds. The Institute for Public Policy Research estimates that £43 billion pounds was lost in 2021, amounting to around 2% of gross domestic product. Okay, those are a few of our top stories then uh, this morning. Uh, I am watching, though, on a slightly lighter note, the flight website to try to get my summer uh, travel deal sorted. Uh, I may be waiting in vain, though. Mm. Why are flights so expensive? Well,
2: look, this is part of the conversations, actually, that we had with Willie Walsh and Mayata last week at the Bloomberg New Economy Gateway Europe event in Ireland, and and there's a couple of factors involved in this, and it's something that we've heard also from the likes of EasyJet uh, in their results so far as well. So part of it is actually due to the Planes themselves, the shortage of spare parts, spare parts being a big issue, and trying to get some of those planes back in the sky mm-hmm. uh, is something that's costing airlines a, a little pandemic, bit more. So
1: many were grounded,
2: exactly. And there's been a kind of still an ongoing hangover from that due to the supply chain disruption that came after that as well. Uh, Michael O'Leary from Ryanair, among those, saying that ticket prices are likely to stay elevated for several years.
1: Yeah. Also, I did note that um, Heathrow's CEO John Hollandkey was speaking to Bloomberg's uh, Siddharth Philip um, and saying that actually business 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 travel hasn't rebounded, Uh, corporate bookings are being held back because of the economic uncertainty and by job cuts, which kind of feeds into, you know, the the issues with tech jobs, for example, being slashed.
2: Yeah. And there's that question, too, about what... um you know, the, in terms of p- post-pandemic business travel, how much of it will actually return? In principle, will people do how much proportion? How much of pe- meetings will people do over Zoom instead?
1: Okay, not good news then for me and my uh, summer bookings. Okay, <laughs> having said that, let's get back to our top story, shall we? Banking regulators in the U.S. considering a move uh, which could limit First Republic's access to Fed lending facilities. Our markets reporter Valerie Titel uh, is in the radio studio this morning. What is the Fed Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, considering then what effect would it have on First Republic?
7: So they're essentially uh, looking at downgrading them in their private scale in a way that will prevent them from using the the Fed's discount window because essentially be take too much credit risk on for the Fed to lend to them. Now, that's just uh, a way to show that the FDIC really Mm. is standing by, unwilling to be involved much in a restructuring solution. Uh, There seems to be a bit of a standoff between the FDIC and any potential private buyers. Now, these private buyers, likely another big bank in the U.S., Uh, more it's more likely for them to come forward as the stock price plummets it looks more attractive for them to acquire but they seem hesitant to do this without some combination of the fdic taking on some of the losses you know in some way minimizing their financial risk so a bit of a standoff i think between the fdic and any potential buyer out there
2: yeah i mean is there any sign that a rescue deal for first republic is is in the works
7: Look, you'd think that with the stock price trading around near zero, I mean, it's down some 97% on the year, that in some manner its assets are going to look attractive to somebody out there. So the the lower it goes, the more likely someone is going to come forward. It would be the more cheaper option for the financial system broadly if a buyer was to come in Mm -hmm. versus the FDIC putting them into the receivership. If the FDIC does go ahead and put them into receivership, you know, the First Republic uh, shareholders get zero and then the, the, the loan book will be chopped up and divested, probably at a big loss. Now, remember, the FDIC is already sitting on 30 billion of losses from the first three bank failures. So you can see the reason why they're unhesitant hesitant to, to take on more losses.
1: Okay, how's it all playing out then in broader markets?
7: Well, thankfully, yesterday's uh, First Republic stock plunge didn't drive a bigger risk off move in the market. I think that was quite welcoming to see. Even things like the regional bank index uh, outperformed yesterday, Mm -hmm. uh, even with the stock price continuing to plunge. So that was welcoming. But, But the bad news is, is that the problem facing First Republic in a large brushstroke is that they their business model isn't viable with a Fed funds rate at 5%, and they're making way less than that on their loan portfolio. And that is something that is shared by many regional banks out there. And a lot of people argue that, you know, this necessarily isn't going to turn around until we see the Fed cutting rates and make that cost of funding for these regional lenders less. So, you know, we could be in for quite a long slog where it's just, you know, one small lender after another coming into trouble.
2: Okay, Valerie Tytel, our market supporter, thank you so much for joining us with the details of that story
1: now for one of our big interviews this morning. When Credit Suisse collapsed, the next European bank to draw the market's fearful eye was Deutsche Bank. But in earnings out today, the corporate bank posted the best quarter since its turnaround started. But it has also stepped up cost savings and is avoiding any share buyback as it braces for volatility. Deutsche Bank's Chief Financial Officer James von Moltke, has been speaking to Bloomberg's Manus Cranny and Manus began by asking him why the bank is holding back when it comes to that share buyback idea.
5: Well, let me take you back to February second, where we announced a decision not to pursue a, a, a repurchase in the early part of the year. We think that was the right decision and prudent, given that we were cautious about the outlook for twenty for thir- twenty three, mm-hmm. and we had some model changes that were, were that were coming. If I fast forward to today, what has changed? We think the the outlook is a little bit more clear, it's, we've gone through some 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 turbulence, but we can we can see the, the way forward. Our step off from a capital ratio is better than we'd anticipated. And I think we have more visibility into the to the model outcomes that that are that are coming down the pike. So to your point, we now have the confidence to move forward as a management team. We've engaged engaged in a dialogue with with our supervisors. Um, and intend to move forward in the second half of the year with uh, with a buyback.
6: Well, will you move forward with pace? Will it be in the third quarter? I mean, Credit Suisse imploded. UBS is on a technical pause. Do you just have cover to be cautious?
5: Well, as I say, we, I think we made the right decisions at the time. Yes, we're not going to we're not going to be sort of definitive about timing and amount, but but our goal is to is to frankly execute on the capital plan that we shared with investors last March and do so, uh, you know, as quickly as possible and, and as prudently as possible.
6: You've upped the cost cuts from two to two and, two and a half. How fast will they be delivered and where? And what does it mean for jobs?
5: Look, we're, gonna, we're working on this right away. Um, uh, today we're announcing um, a reduction in force in, in our senior management layers. We're announcing a streamlining of our mortgage platform. We're, we're taking some management changes, some actions in our management, also to concentrate the ownership, if you like, of, of, of the cost base. Um, essentially, moving forward on executing the plans we have and and going further into the cost base we 'd started to talk about that again in February. What you see here is a management team that will will always work um, on the cost base to to deliver better outcomes for shareholders where we can
6: March will be etched on our mind uh, as a month in which volatility in banking was really quite frightening. Credit Suisse imploded. You've upped your liquidity buffers. What is the biggest consequence of Credit Suisse and the attack on your stock? Do you need to build now consistently on the liquidity buffer as a result of that one day and that one attack?
5: I think we need to communicate more clearly what the liquidity buffers mean. Uh, Because I think the market doesn't understand just how conservatively capitalized and how liquid the banks are, especially the globally systemically important banks are. So let me talk about Deutsche Bank for Mm -hmm. a second. Our capital and liquidity ratios improved during the quarter, which I think speaks to the resilience, the stability of our balance sheet, and the tools we've built to manage these things over the years. But to your point, I don't think that there are actually changes needed in the regime that we operate within. I think what we need to do is help our counterparties and our clients and the the public at large understand just how conservative the stress scenarios are that we manage the balance sheet to. Switzerland has a mega bank.
6: Credit Suisse, UBS. Does Germany need a mega bank?
5: Germany has a leading globally systemically important bank with a set of capabilities that are, that are unique to our market and that we think we can, we can execute as a strategy supporting our economy. But will be, there be more pressure on you now to look for a deal to grow in size or will you not be hurried or harried? I would say we won't be hurried or harried. I do think there are benefits of scale in our business and I think we've been consistent about about you know that feature of our strategic landscape Mm -hmm. Um, but we've also been consistent about talking our strategy our execution and and really making deutsche bank the best it can be which i think also prepares it um, to be a, a participant in consolidation over time
6: that week two weeks of sheer angst around credit suisse saw major movements of deposits and assets around the banking system Your deposits dropped in the quarter. I need to understand, was there an exodus of deposits around the Credit Suisse time or was it flicking into money market funds? Define
5: the deposit scenario at Deutsche. Well, it's interesting. There were a lot of movements going on during the quarter in in deposits, much of which we see as a normalization of deposit balances in the industry, relative to relatively to, to high balances at the end of last year. You know, the central banks are draining liquidity from the market. Interest rates are moving, making alternative investments more valuable than, than deposits, to, to, and, and so there's a lot going on. We had a, a, a 4% reduction in deposits during the quarter from a relatively high level, frankly in line with, with the market as we see it so far.
1: Okay, so that was James von Moltke, there, Deutsche Bank's CFO this morning. Thought very interesting interview with Manus Craney there, in terms certainly of an increase uh, in cost cutting for Deutsche Bank.
2: Yeah, and I suppose looking at this point of where Deutsche Bank is, given that it is in the in the kind of throes of this mm. uh, of coming out really of its turnaround plan that has been announced, and also to see where the what, how it is assessing the turbulence that it's seen on the market, mm. um, and that lenders need to communicate more clearly. I think was one of the interesting lines out of that interview as well. So, uh, great to hear those comments from James von Moltke on the day that we had these results from Deutsche Bank. Up next, the CBI to be renamed. Is it Game Over from Microsoft's Activision deal and PwC's
0: $1 billion accountant? Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc.
4: Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us, made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L dot com. Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE.
0: You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time.
4: Now, the paper review on Bluebird Daybreak Europe. The news you need to know from today's papers.
1: And Bloomberg's Leanne Gerens joins us now with the details. Let's start with the Financial Times story. So the CBI to be renamed as part of root and branch reform.
3: Yes, indeed, Caroline. And the paper has actually spoken to the new boss of the CBI, Rain Newton-Smith. Now, she says the organisation will be renamed as part of effort to show it has reformed its workplace culture. Now, this follows those allegations of bullying and sexual misconduct among staff, which we've talked about Mm. here on the Newspaper Review. Now, speaking to the newspaper at the end of her first day on the job, which was yesterday, Newton Smith did not set out this clear vision for the CBI's future, but she did say she was consulting leading members over how to refocus the organisation, and also, crucially, how to gain back trust, and asked whether this meant a smaller CBI possibly in the future. She replied, it's day one, but I think that could well be where it does all end up. Now, she also apologised for failing victims and Mm. has admitted the CBI failed to sack staff who sexually harassed female workers. She also said those female workers, Caroline, were extremely brave to come out. And also, you know, it was a very difficult time for them. Yeah,
1: Okay. Is is it just me or does does it seem a little problematic, I think, that you have... something, you know, of of a great deal of concern in terms of how women potentially were treated in this organisation. And then, you know, you have a, a woman appointed as head of the organisation to apologise for that treatment. I don't know. It, it strikes me as, as quite a difficult thing to have to do and a difficult ask for that individual who obviously is well known because she was the chief economist at the CBI mm. for so very long. And I that's, think that's quite problematic. Well,
3: Caroline, I don't think you're the only one who thinks that's problematic. Some people- People are really questioning whether Ray Newton-Smith, as you said, a former employee and the chief executive committee member once before, is the right person to lead the organisation through the scandal at the moment. She worked for the CBI actually for nine years before briefly leaving in March to work for Barclays. She's back now, but extremely big job. And as you say, someone already from within the institution is the right person to take this forward. She seems to have the focus to want to do that. So maybe we just have to see how the rebrand and the renaming plays out. Yeah, it
2: was certainly a big challenge ahead for her and for the future of that organisation as we've been reporting as well. Let's go to the Telegraph next, Leanne. Britain accused of being closed for business after blocking £55 billion Microsoft mega merger.
3: Yeah, major blow for Microsoft. Now, the Telegraph says one of the world's biggest companies, Activision Blizzard, has launched this furious response which branded Britain clearly closed for business after its merger with Microsoft was blocked. Microsoft also warned the decision to block the acquisition by the competition's watchdog is really discouraging technology innovation and also investment here in the UK. So furious backlash there to this. Activision Blizzard, it's a video game maker behind Call of Duty and Candy Crush, which I've spent many hours on, warned that blocking the deal threatens the Chancellor, of course, Jeremy Hunt, his ambition to make the UK the next Silicon Valley. The British regulator is concerned the deal would give the firm too much power in the cloud gaming sector and says the tech company actually failed to calm concerns over this. Now, if that merger went ahead, Microsoft will have become the third biggest gaming company by revenue Mm. behind China's Tencent and Japan's Sony. So this would become absolutely massive. Great piece by a Bloomberg Opinion columnist covering deals, Chris Hughes. He asked a question, you know, the UK regulators turned down this acquisition, but can it withstand appeals? So okay. we know Microsoft is working aggressively to appeal the decision.
1: Okay. And then I, I feel like saying, ha, ha, ha. the Times says PwC to invest a billion dollars on a I, bean counters, you called it a billion dollar accountant.
3: Well, Caroline, PwC has now become the latest business. It's not the only business, it's the latest business to turn to artificial intelligence. And it's announced plans to invest $1 billion in this AI technology, and that will be over the next three years. Now, it wants to automate parts of its audit tax and consultancy services in its US business. The Big Four accountant will work with a Microsoft-backed OpenIA AI apologies. And they are, of course, the creator of ChatGPT, which I feel like has become a big talking point at the moment. And they want to basically generate this AI to make things more efficient. So PwC envisions the technology being utilised for writing Mm. reports, preparing compliance documents, analysing and evaluating business strategies. So this is really interesting because right now people are doing those jobs if you think about it and this could become an automated thing but pwc is saying they don't want to replace workers with tech however this seems to be the way they're going but listen there's backlash to this too they're saying that you know using generative ai in areas like tax preparation requires professional validation Mm. and it might create compliance issues so even though we are moving to the tech sector and businesses are investing
1: Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepker.
2: And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe.
8: Osage County, Oklahoma is getting a lot of attention right now.